Welcome to the Shared Desk, episode 107. Yes, you are listening to the Shared Desk, episode 107. I am your host, T. Morris, and over to my left, or sorry, over to my right. I'm me, Pip Valentine. And special guest, sign on in. Hi, I'm Michael A. Ventrola. Now, uh, as you all know, with the Shared Desk, we have always been trying to keep uh, as many of our political beliefs out of the out of the oeuvre of the Shared Desk. We we want this to be a um, uh, a, a place where it is politics free and where we can uh, talk about the writerly things that we talk about as writers. However, however, in recent events, something has been coming up again and again and again in the news. That directly affects writers, and that is why we brought in Michael A. Ventrilla. Now, you might recognize the name Michael A. Ventrilla from Tales from the Archives. Michael, would you please tell us about your experience with Tales from the Archives in brief? Well, as a fan of the series, I was very happy when you guys asked me to write a story in the series, so I wrote one. And you did, uh, I, I read it off, and you added to it and made it listenable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was great, you know, and I got to tell you, it, it inspired me to write a steampunk novel of my own, not in your world, of course. Pip gave me a really nice little blurb for the back. Um, so I'm thrilled that you guys invited me. Thank and you. that book is called? Big Stick. He has it's it Teddy there! <laughs> yes, I always, I'm always ready. It's a Teddy Roosevelt. I thought it'd be so great to have Teddy Roosevelt in, in a steampunk adventure. So I have Teddy Roosevelt and Mark Twain and Harriet Tubman and all kinds of people at the time. It's a lot of fun. I, I hope it's a lot of fun anyway. But there's another book, and it's specific to why we brought you onto the shared desk. Um, yeah. What is the other book that you've written uh, as a uh, as the prolific author that you are? Well, sales have been going up this last couple of months for some reason. <laughs> it's called How to Argue the Constitution with a Conservative. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and it's a short little book, but it goes through the Constitution very uh, briefly, but gives you enough information that if you read it, you'll know more than 95% of the population, including certain presidents I can name. Um, it has artwork. <laughs> By Darren Bell, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning cartoonist. Um, and so I was thrilled when when uh, he actually won the Pulitzer Prize like a week before we were about to publish it. So we had to rush and get that onto the Wow, <laughs> that's like, awesome. Like, what can you ask for? That <laughs> is awesome. Okay. So, so just so that everyone is clear, can you list your uh, your achievements, your your references for writing a book about the constitution Certainly. well i graduated i'm an old guy i graduated in 84 um up in boston uh and then uh, i ended up teaching uh constitutional law and american history and american politics at bunker hill community college up in boston later moved down here to pennsylvania where i taught at another community college but now i'm just basically a uh, criminal defense attorney with fisher and fisher which is one of the big firms down here so i do a lot of arguing about the law um, in court, of course, and I've argued in front of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and Superior Courts and such. Um, but I still specialize in constitutional law. That's what I did in law school. That's what I uh, followed, and that's why I, I wrote the book. So um, I feel like a box should be delivered to Congress, <laughs> like that'd be nice. ASAP, like a, just a big box for everybody. I, I, it's I, meant to be I, a fun I, book. It's meant to give you the background while still being snarky and entertaining. You know, I mean, I mean I, we might have to pick up a copy of this book, Pip, because yes, I mean, because yes. you know how I feel. I, so my qualifications in talking about, and I've gotten into this in the past week uh, with people on, on social media, shocker that, uh, where they've asked me, what are your qualifications 
as a as a gamer and as a science fiction fantasy author and i go well uh before i became a fantasy author and before i became a science fiction author um excuse me an award-winning science fiction fantasy author with my wife <laughs> and and a content creator i mean i was i was con i was content creating before it was cool i um I'm, I'm a communications professional. That was my degree from James Madison University. Uh, I, too, like uh, like Michael, I am old. Uh, turns out I didn't realize this. Michael's got three years on me because I graduated in 87. Uh, no, I graduated in 92, so he's got quite a few years on me. But uh, as a comms professional, one of the options I had, um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever told Michael this story, I, I was really struggling. I was really struggling to, to pass communications law which was a 100 level course, but as an elective, as an elective chat, I took a 400 level course where all we did was study the first amendment for an entire semester. I was acing that. And, and the, the people in charge of the comms department said, well, you really do need to pass the basics law. And we don't understand why you're, you're doing great in a 400 level course, but you can't pass the 100 level course. So just do us a favor. Don't go into communications law. But I have always, I have always nurtured a passion for the first amendment. Now let us read, let us have a reading of the first amendment from the least qualified person in the room right now. <laughs> the one, the woman holding the green card, Pip Valentine. Pip, would you please in well, your, I, I would like to say that I am the least qualified. However, if I get around to doing this thing called citizenship, I presume that I might have to learn about it. So this is a good, like, primer for me. Yes. Okay. I, I've got to say, as I said before, it's short. It was. It's not as big as I thought it would be. So here we go. <laughs> Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's it. Nice and simple. One of the reasons it's simple is because that's much easier to get people to pass it. You know, it's all about politics after all. Right. If they had gone to a lot of right. detail, there would have been arguments. It's easy for people to say, yes, I agree with freedom of speech, but then you start talking about the details and they argue. So that's one of the reasons our Constitution is so short <laughs> so okay so keep it simple stupid right yes now the question also probably remains on on many a mind here especially those listening to the shared desk why are we talking about the first amendment uh allow me to present exhibit a uh i believe he is a freshman he is a he is a freshman in, yeah. in the senate Okay, and I'm going to do my best. I cannot speak for the other lawyer in the room, but I will do my best to not use particular words to describe this individual. But freshman senator from the great state of Missouri, Josh Hawley, H-A-W-L-E-Y, a constitutional lawyer, so he claims, um, and... He is a constitutional lawyer. That's what makes I this... didn't know that. Yeah, he says it in his Twitter bio, but this is where it really bugs me. Now, if you're curious, who's Joshua Howley? Um, he is a Republican, uh, Republican U.S. senator, freshman senator. But what a lot of uh, a lot of people know him for is is uh, appropriating and giving the, uh, the 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 fist of power to the variety of enthusiasts, shall we say, that showed up recently 
at, uh, at at the steps of Capitol uh, of of, uh, of the Capitol building, and then proceeded to storm the Capitol building. Some people call them protesters. Some people call them uh, Trump supporters. I call them domestic terrorists. But that's beside the point. Um, well, he was also he was also the Attorney General. Yes, he was also the Attorney General for the great state of Missouri. Now, here's the thing that bugs me. He's the guy that, you know, basically egged on the domestic terrorists that stormed the, the, the steps of the, of, of the Capitol building. This constitutional lawyer lost a lucrative book deal with Simon Schuster. They were going to be publishing uh, probably his, his, his particular opinions about conservative, uh, conservative voices, conservatism, that sort of thing. But in light of what happened and in light of his actions and his comments of, uh, of, the, of the insurrection done by the domestic terrorists on Capitol Hill, he lost that book contract. This was his statement on Twitter. My statement on the woke mob at Simon & Schuster. This could not be more Orwellian Keep in mind, this is a constitutional lawyer. Simon & Schuster is canceling my contract because I was representing my constituents, leading debate on the Senate floor on voter integrity, which they have now decided to redefine as sedition. Let me be clear, this is not just a contract dispute. It is a direct assault on the First Amendment. Allow me to read that one more time. <laughs> Let me be clear, this is not a contract dispute. It's a direct assault on the First Amendment. Only approved speech can now be published. This is the left looking to cancel everyone they don't approve of. I will fight this cancel culture with everything I have. We'll see you in court. Where to unpack this? I turn to Exhibit B, our lawyer in residence, Michael A. Ventrilla. Michael, your thoughts. There's too much here to unpack. There's too (laughs) much to understand. You know, just because you get a law degree doesn't mean you're... Studying law has more to do with the work involved. It wasn't tremendously difficult, I'll be honest. There was just so much of it, you know, and yeah. if you got behind, you couldn't yeah. catch up. And so there was a tremendous amount of work. You had to constantly be reading. You had no time to go to, to work. I, I couldn't even do a job when I was in law school because I was constantly reading laws. It, but it doesn't mean you have to be smart. You have to just regurgitate the stuff back. That's what all schools are like. You know what I mean? So just because you get a degree doesn't mean you really caught anything it means you were hey, learned enough to pass a bar exam um so there are a lot of dumb lawyers out there i gotta be honest with you they really are um and the problem with certain conservative lawyers and actually i'll say some lawyers some liberal lawyers too is they read the constitution to what they want it to mean and ignore what the law actually says for instance there are things that i wish the law said but it doesn't and i'm not going to be dishonest about it there are things the courts have said that i disagree with completely but that's the law and i can't deny that's the law what this guy is doing is denying the law he wants it to be one way and it's not so he's trying to pretend it isn't but that's a very trumpian thing to do you know if the facts don't fit you you pretend that the facts are something else and you call the real facts fake news that's pretty much what he's doing he's completely lost so, but but going back to the, the, the point at hand where he says it's a direct assault on the First Amendment, this seems to be a contention, especially with not just Josh Howley, but the aforementioned President Donald Trump, who will no longer be president by the time this drops. But, um, but the, the, the main thing is, is that uh, they say it's a, uh, uh, he says it's a direct assault on the First Amendment. And people were also saying that about when, when Donald Trump was censured on uh, Facebook and on Twitter and Twitch and all these other other platforms. But really, what is what is the assault on the First Amendment? 
according to according to Josh Howley and Simon Schuster. Yeah, what's his argument? Well, his argument is completely wrong. I mean, you heard Pip read the First Amendment. It says Congress shall make no law abridging speech. Yeah, that's the first word. Congress shall do it. It, the First Amendment prohibits the government from taking away your freedom of speech. It doesn't give you a forum for your speech. You don't have the right to uh, have your book published. You don't have the right to have the newspaper print your news article. You don't have the right to have a TV show. Those are forums that other people provide, and they can cut them out if they think you're going to hurt their business or if you say something they don't want. You, that's not a First Amendment violation. The government is not censoring him in the absolute slightest. He can say whatever the hell he wants, and there's probably going to be some smaller publisher out there who will glad to take the book, you know, that press that publishes Rush Limbaugh or something. It's funny, it's funny you should different. say that. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was saying the left sometimes misses that too, because you will hear liberals say, oh, my First Amendment rights are being violated because they they cut me off of Twitter for what I said. No, you're not. Twitter, Twitter has its has its rules you know no shirt no shoes no service twitter can have its own little rules and if you don't obey their rules tough i think it's funny too the way some conservatives are now saying well we need to break up the monopoly of twitter and facebook and, oh now you're now you're in favor of breaking up monopolies yes <laughs> because remember remember when, when the whole net neutrality thing was going on they were going wait you know what let, let them take care of themselves let them take care of themselves it'll be fine the market will be fine but what i find even funnier is how I, I and I'd love to get uh, opinions from not just from not just you, Michael, but also from you as well, Pip. Is how much I'm of just, jo- sorry, I'm just staring at this. I know you are. I know you are. I know. And so so how much of Josh Howley's um, ire is less is less about my my voice is being is now being denied. Conservative voices are being silenced. Versus, wait, you mean I'm not going to get the the sweet, sweet money that I was going to get from Simon and Schuster? Because, yes, he could go, hell, if he wanted to, he could go out and do what Pip and I have done and self-pub it. And Mm -hmm. based on his name alone, he would make money. He wouldn't make as much money if he's with Simon and Schuster. And there's also the problem of he would have to promote said book or hire someone to promote said book which means he has to spend more money so so how much of this michael from from your from where you're sitting from a legal perspective would you say and from a constitutional lawyer because guess what you got something in common with mr alley uh (laughs) i mean how much of that is really about losing the advance I think a lot of it is, but I think it's also he's playing to his base, which is what a lot of these people do. And a lot of these Republican politicians will say these things. And then there have been reporters say that, you know, when they're in private, they they disavow everything. Say, I'm just saying it because that's what they want me to say so I can get reelected. I think a lot of it is that kind of cynical attitude he's thinking. It's getting him publicity. You know, we're talking about him. That's good, right? That's what he wants. You know, and and it's a publicity thing to get people on his side. He wants to be the next Trump, basically. He wants to run for president someday, and he thinks he's going to take over Trump's you know, crazy people are going to vote for him and, and he's appealing to them. And I suppose if that's your strategy, then it works. But as far as uh, any legal justification, no, it's completely out in left field. Mm. He doesn't have a foot to stand on. I always wonder I mean, when I saw it, I was like, does that mean that Simon and Schuster had some sort of morality clause or there, there must be some clause in there where, you know, you I would just, yeah, yeah, that would be the contractual thing that I think those big publishers must have in the same way that, you know, if you work for a television show 
and you start saying racist things, they can fire you and you can't say, no, and I'm sure in their contract it says, look, you know, if you're going to make us look bad, we have the right to fire you. Just like a boss can fire you if you're spouting, you know, racist nonsense in a store, you know, well, sorry, you're out of here. Yes, you have the right to say it. You just don't have the right to say it here. So so let's talk about that. When, When people are saying my my rights are being oppressed particularly writers, let's focus on writers, you know, let's say that writers are feeling like they're being oppressed if they, uh, I mean, and, and I mean, case in point, mutual friend of all three of us, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I call him the patron saint of the show, Chuck Wendig. But, but the thing is they were using, it feels like Disney Marvel were using that, that morality clause as you were talking about to, to say to Chuck, look, we need to let you go. And and so I'd like to I'd like to talk a little bit about that. What, what can you tell us, Michael, about morality clauses? What what are those in contracts, and how, do, how why do writers need to stay very aware of them? Basically, you have provisions in most contracts that say that you know it, it's it's we're giving you something, we're going to print your book, but in exchange, you have to have the right presence. You know, if we turn out that we if we learn that you're a serial killer, well, we're going to cancel your book. Sorry, you know, there are things you have to do that won't harm the image that they want to have. And I use that. There's other examples of, of actors who have done commercials who suddenly get fired when they say some joke that doesn't get approved by, you know, the people who are hiring them. You know, they want you to look good to make them look good. And like I said, it's not that much similar than if you get a job and they tell you you got to you can't come in wearing shorts and T-shirts and you can't talk religion to the to the patrons who are coming in. You know, it's not an unreasonable request because it's the image that they're trying to, to carry. I don't necessarily agree that. I don't know enough about the Disney uh, Chuck Wendig si- situation. We, well, all three really of us don't. Yeah, it. that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know if there was something else going on there, you know, but uh, I assume if there was an issue, Chuck could have sued them and he didn't. And sometimes that's better because then it just causes hard feelings elsewhere. Right. And he's still publishing and he's still having huge, big hits. And I liked his last book a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so and, he still yeah. got his career. So he, but he didn't go around going, Liberal voices are being silent. Correct. Yeah, he didn't know any impeachment about it. That seems to, you know, that, that's good. He didn't say my First Amendment rights are being violated because he understands that they weren't. Right. Yeah. Going back to uh, to social media, and that's where people are going, well, are social media conser- considered publishers? No, they are just a different kind of service. I, I don't see anything in the in this bit of the, cons- uh, you know, this, this amendment that talks about the socials. The socials, the but but well, let's... right to to Instagram. Right, mm-hmm. the, the 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 right to get your gram on. But here mm-hmm. here's a, here's a question for you, uh, Michael, concerning the First Amendment and concerning Twitch, Twitter. I hold all of these as much as I love these platforms. I also hold them responsible. Why did it take an act of insurrection? To finally say, Ty Ho, bro, maybe you, maybe we need to start enforcing our terms of service. Why did it take so long? I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, they should have been before. Seriously, you know, I don't know why they made that decision. It's kind of frustrating and sad because we certainly would complain about these things before. Um, at least, you know, they, they went over to Parlor for a while when there was some crackdown. That was like a month or two before, right. you know, maybe more than that. It, it seems like it was happened very recently. So they were starting to crack down at that point. Uh, there's got to be some sort of provisions. Here's something th- that sort of goes, ties into that. And this is something that I think a lot of people get frustrated and I get frustrated as when they say conservatives are saying they're silencing conservative voices. Well, no, they're not. If you want to start a web page, if you want to join on there and you want to talk about lowering taxes or whether the United States should get out of the UN or whether we should have uh, equal protection, 
fine. Nobody is going to stop you. What they're stopping are calls for violence. They're calling. They're stopping hatred. They're they're stopping racist points that are causing violence. They are not. Con- if you consider that conservative voices, then I think that that's says, worry. Yeah, you know, it says something a lot about you. If if these same conservatives saw Muslim extremists posting the exact same thing, they would be more than happy to shut it down. And they of course, would be everyone to go of to jail. Course. But because it's them, they don't see it that way. Well, if you're calling for violence, yeah, you should be. They should shut you down. And this comes back to something else that I've been seeing about how I've been seeing now some of the people who have been who have been uh, arrested. People have been arrested for the actions that happened. Um, they have been they've been saying things like, "Well, I, I was just expressing my my, my freedom of, my, my freedom to protest," right? And that's okay. We're saying we're saying you can do that. But I mean, I think about I'm I'm approaching this from a parental point of view. You know, never once when I had to te- when 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 Pip and I had to teach our daughter consequences, she was like, "But I was speaking up for myself." We're like, "And so you should," but. So how so how much of this, Michael, is people not liking their consequences, whether it's Josh Howley, whether it's the people that were whether it was the QAnon shaman, that idiot, or or, you know, just just, or or the or the, the, the Texas realtor that flew out on a private jet, literally, literally posed in front of the broken glass of the freaking Senate building and doing the doing the whole yellow and all this. And she's saying, I expect a pardon from the president. Well, I mean, a lot of this is white privilege, and we're, we can go into a separate. That's a different story uh, altogether. I, I, yeah, I, but I want to focus more about the consequences. The I will point out that the First Amendment says very clearly the right of the people peacefully yeah, to assemble. It <laughs> it's right in there. It's in the very First Amendment. Peacefully assembling is the key. They were not peacefully assembling. You know, they, no one would stop them. From, you know, if they wanted to stand there and hold their signs up, they could do that all they want. You know, if they wanted to yell and scream, they can do that too. It's it's the peaceful part that they broke. So that that is not protected by the Constitution is the point. Right. So just by reading the words. So as we said earlier, Michael is a is a is a constitutional uh, law expert. I studied the I I am not by any stretch a a constitutional expert, but I have studied the First Amendment and I feel like I know it and I know enough about the the I know enough to be dangerous with it. But nerd girls got got what was that? I just want I just want to give a quick disclaimer. Go ahead. I am a constitutional expert compared to the average person. There are college professors who do nothing but this for a living who are much more of an expert than I am. So please don't think that I am Lawrence Tribe from Harvard, you know, University. Was it, isn't wasn't uh, the former president Barack Obama a constitutional? He certainly was. I'm sure he's better at it than I am. He taught it. <laughs> he taught at the law school level, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, yeah, he's a little more. But just so you it. know, Michael Ventrilla is the is the practicing lawyer between the three of us that you're watching right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's why right. we are leaning on him as our expert at the moment. The question really does remain. You know, when let's say let's say a morality clause does kick in, let's say that um, because because let's say I uh, you know Pip and I have very liberal leaning uh, thoughts about about politics and about the way things are things are run. The big question remains. Oh, but, oh, but then you know Pip and I are both uh, practicing Episcopalians, and let's say we're doing we're you know we're 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 doing uh, we're, we're doing a book, and someone says. Uh, a publisher, major publisher. Let's uh, the major publisher steps in and goes. Look, we know that you guys are um, <clears throat> are are practicing Christians, and we're okay with that. But but we really don't like the fact that you're 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 not you're not leaning towards the right. So because of your left leaning ways, we're cutting you loose from this lucrative contract. 
we really don't have a, a legal ground to stand on, do we? Especially for, would, at least at least for the First Amendment, at least for the First Amendment. First Amendment, no. Um, contractually, you might because it depends on what the contract says. If this yeah. is something that you're not, if if no one knows about it, they then they then they probably have you probably have a really good argument. If you're posting things all over the internet and then they're afraid that it's going to hurt their image, that's different. In other words, if you're a tremendous racist but you keep it quiet in your home, you know, and they don't know about it, and no one knows it, you could probably get away with a lot. Probably. Um, if they come to your house and say, "Oh, we know you're a racist. I heard you say something racist. I'm going to cancel it," even though the average person doesn't know it, well, you might have an argument contractually, uh, but not First yeah. Amendment laws. No. If you see the distinction I'm making there. And then come with Congress at the front of the right. uh, First Amendment. <laughs> Pip has really latched onto that. You notice that, I'm Chad? Just, Pip I'm is... just, I'm just saying the first word. That, that, that is the thing that people just get wrong so much, and it's so frustrating, though. Can I, mean, I point out one other thing that people get wrong? Our, uh, writers get wrong sometimes, and sure. I've been on panels like this. I've had writers say, I submitted a story to this magazine, and it was too sexy for them, and I was censored. Oh, went, for pizza. No, you were edited. There's a difference between censoring and editing. You know, just because someone doesn't publish your story doesn't mean you were censored because it was too salacious or whatever. Um, so, so people have to say it to the wrong so let, so let's talk a little yeah. bit about that. Let's let's talk a little bit about that as well. From a for, again, since we're talking about um, you know freedom of speech and freedom of the press and all these things, when, when people when 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 you hear authors punch that button of I was censored, mm-hmm. what is the line between censorship and and competent editing. Technically, censorship can only be done by the government. Okay? Hmm. Boom. Te- yeah, Boom. Yeah, that, that's, the way, that's the way you look Boom. at it. If, Hail if to the king, you baby. have something that's being published and the editor says, I'm not going to publish it unless you change this and take care of that, that's editing. Um, if, if, um, if you have a TV show and they cut out all the dirty parts, that's editing because the government is not forcing you to do that necessarily. Um, so to me, uh, censorship is what governments do. So All if right. a government, say say if Josh got his book published and then the government came in and said, you can't publish Josh's book, take it out of the bookstores and burn it or whatever, that would be... So, yeah, or, or during the, if you know anything about the Pentagon Papers back during Watergate, you know, and there was just a recent movie about it that was really good. Um, you know, the government was saying, you can't publish this. That was censorship. That was the and post. They, that that was the movie, the post. post. Yeah, right. yeah. And the they post. took it to the Times, and they took it here, and they just kept taking it everywhere. And all the papers were challenging it. And the Supreme Court came down and said, "Government, you can't do that. That's censorship. You don't have the right to censor this information." Well, it that was, was not- and that was what was going on with uh, with with the, with the the now about to end administration. Um, I mean, with, with with the Trump administration, they were trying to uh, stop. Uh, was it Mary po- Was it Mary Trump's Mary Trump's uh, tell-all book? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and they did that. They were just like, yeah, you can't you can't publish that. And Mary was like, um, that's a violation of my First Amendment rights Absolutely. because Congress <laughs> shall make no law. I mean, and mm-hmm. and 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 but then and, and then that's quite funny. Right? Yeah, now mind yeah. you, there's a whole bunch of exceptions to that. And if you read my book, you'll see. For example, you can't publish troop movements or secrets or spy names and things like that. You know, there's exceptions to the first amendment, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Those well, kind yeah, of things. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Right. But, but, but this, you know, but just cause you don't like it doesn't mean the government can censor it. But turning, that? but turning it back over to, uh, to, to social media, the, the thing that has been frustrating for me as a social media professional and, you know, when people say, well, you, you know, you're not a, you're not a constitutional lawyer. No, I'm not. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. Um, 
and yeah, I took a class on, on the First Amendment, but I am published in understanding how social media works. And there's a thing that all these platforms have, Facebook, Twitter, etc. They're called Terms of Service. It's those things that you don't read. <laughs> you and just you, click through. Yeah, and you just click on through it, you know? And and in that terms of service, they say, look, at any time we can go on ahead and if we if we really feel like like there is a problem with what you're saying, we can go on ahead and say, Yeah, you're out of the pool. I mean, Mike Michael, is there is there anything, is there anything that, that um or any situation where Facebook or Twitter or uh, or Twitch or even TikTok um, that they can do that they can say yeah we're not we're not allowing you to post this and it's a, it's a violation of someone's First Amendment rights. The only thing I can think of is if they were doing it in a discriminatory manner. You know, if they said we're gonna we're not gonna let any black people post here, you know, for that or that sort of thing, you know, because then it's not a violation of First Amendments; it's it's a equal rights violation. Right. But generally speaking, if they say no. Um, we're not going to publish things that are like this. As long as they're applying it equally to everybody, then it should be fine. But you know, it is still, but it's still on. not. It yeah. is still not a violation of the First Amendment. Oh, no, no, never, no. And if you don't like it, you can start your own. Um, of course, we're back to the monopoly question again. But you know, the point is, there's <laughs> an infinite number uh, of, of services. You can have an infinite number of web pages. You can have an infinite number. You know, technically, of all these things. That's why the. I just wrote a blog post about the fairness doctrine. Some people saying we need to bring the fairness doctrine back. And I said, well, that on, that only applied to over the air broadcasters. It never applied right. to newspapers. It never applied to the internet. It never applied to any of this stuff. So it really wouldn't affect anything except for a couple of small TV stations. But it goes back to, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Howley being less upset that his book was being, uh, was being canceled and it was a First Amendment violation versus I just lost that sweet sweet money from uh, from from Simon and Schuster. The real the real problem here wasn't that that Parler was shut down. It was that Facebook and its reach were taken away from the folks who'd started Parler. Then they got all that press from Parler, and then Parler started to become the conservative Facebook, which everybody loved. And then Parler shut down. And it's it's less about at least from, from where I'm sitting, it's less about, um, it's less about, well, then let's start our own platform versus, uh, Oh, we, we lost the reach of Facebook and Twitter. That kind of sucks. So we got to build our own. And there's a lot of work with that. That's a lot of work. You know, like I said, if they had just talked about conservative issues, no one would have complained, but they were talking about violence. They were talking about, you know, race. I'll um, I'll go you one better. Trying to have insurrection against the United States. Yeah, they should be. (laughs) I'll go you one better. In the next book that Mike is going to buy, which is this book, Discord for Dummies. (laughs) Um, Yes. So I actually cite uh, a uh, uh, an incident that that all these uh, all these alt right um, servers were, were 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 high fiving and talking about what a great job everybody was doing in Charlottesville. Then suddenly they went they logged on and their servers were shut down. They contacted Discord and they said, my server shut down. They go, yeah, because we saw what we were posting. And they said, you can't do that. That's against my first my first amendments. They go, no, you can't do that because that's against our terms of service. And suddenly all these alt-right voices went silent. And they were like, mm-hmm. we're afraid to say anything on Discord now because we don't want to lose our... Because <laughs> they were also using that as games comms for Call of Duty. No, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that for sure. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there as an I, example. I heard somebody, I heard somebody say that you know people are saying no i i heard someone make the comparison they said it's it's like you know you're running a bar 
and somebody comes in and starts screaming about I'm going to go across the road and start shooting up the bank or whatever, you are entitled to eject them out of your bar because you, you know, don't want violence to be incited in your in your establishment. Right. Is that yeah, exactly? Is that is that, is that is that is that correct, Michael? Absolutely. You know, it, like I said earlier, no shirt, no shoes, no service. You can set limits on what your business is. As long as it's not applied discriminatorily, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the issue, of course, with some of these conservatives wanted to not give uh, gay people cakes, you know. And I That's said, no, right. you know, as long as you, you provide a cake and they want a cake exactly like you would give a, a straight couple, then you can't do that anymore. So that, you know, it, it's 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 a separate issue, um, but they can have policies as long as it's the same policy. If they say we're not going to, you know, if a gay couple comes in and says we want a cake shaped like a penis and they say we won't even make that for straight couples, then, you know, that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. But if they've done it for straight couples then they got it for the gay couple, too, you know, that kind of thing. So okay. um, so some closing thoughts on this, Michael, on, on, on this particular topic before we get to. Um, I think it's the first time we've ever done a writer's off the clock with a special guest, but, um, uh, but Michael, uh, what, what, what would be your closing thoughts and where, apart from your book, which you're more than welcome to plug, uh, where else would you send people for, uh, for, for insight on this, on this topic about the first amendment and how it applies to, to writing and writing contracts? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if I have a good answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think writers beware in places like that sometimes have little links where you can go and, and check out, you know, articles about your rights as a, as a writer. Um, Every, always get someone to look it over, right? Well, always. Come you know, it's always a good idea to, yeah. get, to get people to read over Provide, Provided that it's a lawyer that... I got stuck that, in a contract I should have had. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Every con- no if, you get, if you're going to get a contract from a publisher, yeah, don't, don't read it yourself. Get a lawyer. It's worth it. A contract um, lawyer. You know, a contract, contract lawyer. Yeah, get a lawyer who specializes in contract, not a criminal defense lawyer like me. <laughs> you know, I even had people look at my I had I had other lawyers look at my contracts because too too often people think that contracts are a gift from the publisher and they're not. It's supposed to be an equal meeting of minds. You know, right. they want something from you, you want something from them. There should be a give and take. I've been able to negotiate better terms um, by doing that and every author should do that. And, and if uh, you don't like the morality clause, you don't sign it. You know, you say, can we change that? Can we make it very clear that as long as it's something I say privately on my own Facebook, it's okay. You know, I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe you can come up with some sort of negotiation. <laughs> I would, People I would, might be looking into that right now. I'm just like, um, <laughs> I, I also want to uh, throw a quick shout out and because Pip got me turned on to this guy, the legal Eagle on yes. YouTube. He's been doing, he has got a whole series series of videos about the trump administration about the first amendment about how none of this applies i think he actually took a few a few shots at josh holly as well um he he's a terrific uh terrific resource but again i i'll be the first one to say it. My, michael may not but i'll be the first one to say it if you want a good reference point for arguments about the constitution and about the first amendment Talk to the author of this particular book, uh, the book being uh, How to Argue the Constitution with a Conservative. It's uh, by Michael A. Ventrilla. You can find him on Amazon.com or his website, uh, Michael A. Ventrilla or just Michael Ventrilla? Either one. Uh, Writers off the clock. So what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you What do you want to do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> idea. <laughs> so this is the point of our show where we talk about writers off the clock, where we talk about what we're doing 
um, when when we're not writing and when we're not streaming and we're not gaming, or well, sometimes we do talk. Pip and I do talk about where we're gaming, but we're bringing Michael into this uh, into this discussion because I saw his thoughts on this show, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun conversation between Pip oh, and Michael. Uh, <laughs> we're considering gonna, we're all of the older generation. This will be interesting. This will be even even more interesting. <laughs> We're going to talk about WandaVision. Let me tell you something, chat. I freaking ate this up like foie gras. I loved WandaVision. I want to get Pip's perspective on it because now I don't know how much of the classic sitcoms New Zealand got. So I want to hear. Oh, we from... got them all. Okay. So, Pip, we got them all. what were your thoughts on WandaVision? Well, I, I did feel like I was watching, like, um,. A Bewitched episode. My mum liked Bewitched a lot. And I, was <laughs> I can, like, see, oh, I can I see your mum getting into Bewitched. <laughs> oh, those bloody Americans. <laughs> uh, They're so strange. Um, That's why your mom wanted me to keep trying to, to twinkle my nose. Oh, I get it. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Uh, to, my perspective was I could see that they're trying to do something completely different. Which I, I usually like when people tried something different and I mean, the MCU has been around for a while now. Maybe people are ready for something that's not, you know, big villain turns up. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I could see that some people might be like, when is something going to happen? Um, but I was enjoying the aesthetic of it. And Paul Bettany is just fun. They were, they, I, I was just enjoying occupying this sort of actor space where they were, pretending to be dick van dyke and uh you know some was it samantha it was samantha was, bewitched yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so and i and i also enjoyed the aspect ratio so maybe i was just caught up in the i don't know in the um the interesting vintage look of it you so know, I, I i, I stand I corrected everybody two th- yes phased out is absolutely right and i just looked it up on google it was 2008 so it's been 13 uh, years of the mcu now, uh, but but now, Michael, you were not as equally charmed by uh uh by, by Wandavision, were you? I was by for the first ten minutes or so. Um, I, I thought this is a clever. I like this. You know, I mean, I grew up with these things. I was a kid watching these things when they were actually on. I didn't watch the reruns. I saw the original ones. You know? <laughs> um, I, I was more into I Dream of Genie, but that was mostly because of Barbara Eden. Yeah, you know, very influential on my. Uh, upbringing um yes but uh we're not going to give out any spoilers phased out we're not going to give out any spoilers i assure you that we're just talking about impressions so no spoilers she lives in a bottle no not (laughs) not not spoilers of i dream of genie baby not spoilers of i dream of genie they were they were they were trying to create it and it was sort of a satire but it wasn't funny enough to be an actual satire because it was an homage to those kind of shows more than it was a satire and i kept waiting for something to happen and that was the problem because I said, I got it. I got it. Get on with it. Get on with it. That was the problem I had with it. And so I, so my wife and I started fast forwarding. Whenever we saw something unusual, we'd stop and go, oh, what's happening there? You know, I'm not going to say it for spoilers purposes, but we saw the clues, but we felt like we had to fast. Forward. Okay. Yeah. Now they're doing sitcom again for 10 minutes. I got it. I got it. Get me to the clues. I think it would have been uh... a more show if they had taken those two half hour episodes squinch it down to one half an hour or maybe even less until it gets to the plot. I mean, obviously I think episode three next week is going to jump into something. It, it, it better. I, I plan on watching <laughs> it. I'm not giving up on the show, right. but if it's another half an hour of a sitcom, well, I'll watch a real sitcom. You know, well, that was my, attitude. so, so, so here was my question. When you, when you were talking about the clues, 
did you happen to notice the clue in the first uh, in the toaster commercial? Yes, because, yes, I'm not going to say anything before. Right, it's subtle. Um, and it's there's subtle. also a watch commercial and a couple other things. And I'm sure there were clues I missed because I'm not a Marvel fanatic. Right. If you know what I mean. Right. You right. know, I, I get, I watch the movies, but I'm not someone who, who uh, knows everything backwards and forwards like I might know for Harry Potter, which I tend to know a lot better. Right. You know, we have our own little things that we we're into. But, you know, certainly I could, I could see certain references that made sense. And someone told me there was another reference I read that I did, I've never even heard of. I mean, they I, I saw, I saw like a breakdown of it was where it was like the house number referenced this. And did you see, and I'm like, and, and you see, yeah, and, and, a little and, bit obscure for me, yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. And I, and I agree, but that's, that's the other thing that I really enjoy about what Marvel has done, not just in their MCU stuff, but also, I mean, well, sorry, not, not just in what we've seen in these two episodes of WandaVision, but Keep in mind, this is the first. This is the first we've seen of MCU for television, mm-hmm. and and I think it's made a great That's first true. impression yeah. because we got Falcon and Winter Soldier coming later, and and I I I love and how and Loki and all this stuff and, and especially with some of the deep pulls they did with the Mandalorian. I mean they they've been they've been specializing in the deep pulls and. And it's something that I think that actors are starting to actors, not just actors, but actors and writers are starting to realize. Um, at, at one time, it was like, yeah, you want to you want to you want to do movies because you know you got bigger budgets of movies and you can do you you can do stuff you can't do in television. I really believe that has become a myth now because because yeah. the other thing that Pip and I watched, um, and I don't I don't mean to to derail you, Mike, but just track with me. Um, this shouldn't come as any surprise. Mike and I have known each other for years, but um, there was another show that we mainlined called Snowpiercer. Now mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the movie Michael of Snowpiercer. It's one of it's one oh. of Pips and Mike's favorite movies. Snowpiercer is a brilliant film. The show is unreal because it took all these little nuggets that you got introduced to because you only have like two two and a half hours for a movie and they just ran with them in Snowpiercer and plus you got to see Dobby Diggs shirtless and you find out something Thomas Jefferson he does P90X anyway so that's, <laughs> but anyway going but going back to it that's what I feel like we're getting with WandaVision you're absolutely right Michael I think that the first episode did a lot of setup they did a lot of setup, but but the second episode, it seemed like they, they loosened up just a little bit. There was a lot more in the second episode, I will agree. I, I guess my point was it was more of a show for the Marvel fanatics than it was for me as a side person who watches the movies and enjoys them, but I don't really, you know, I'll watch the movies and someone will come in and I'll go, I know that guy, where have I seen him before? Right. And I don't remember because I'm not, I don't watch them over and over and over again. So I think this was a show for the people who like to watch those things over and over and over again. Mm. And and because I don't, I didn't get the stuff, and I was going, I, yeah, I, I know something's going on here, but I'm not getting it, so that's why I didn't enjoy it as much. I enjoyed the cutesy things that they were doing. Like I was like, ooh, it really does look like it was filmed. And then apparently, I um, I went back and I was reading a, an article about it, and it said that they actually used vintage lenses, and they all dressed up in 50s clothes when they it was were obviously sets, you know and it was done it, it really looked like a, a, a 60s show and the cartoons yeah. between you know yeah. and and and, and, pip, and pip told me mm-hmm. pip told me that the actual producers of wandavision contacted dick van dyke and 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 actually had him do some consulting and i'm just like okay this is now a, official just 
flat out official. Dick Van Dyke is the coolest mother effer on the planet because he's, I mean, he's done the world's worst British accent. He was a chitty chitty bang bang. He was. He danced he was, on a table when he was in his nineties. And now, and now, Marvel, Marvel Studios chat are going to Dick Van Dyke for advice. You can't get any cooler than that. And on that note, let's segue to the end. So, uh, Michael, uh, thank you very much for bringing not only your uh, legal expertise, but also your nerdy expertise to tonight. <laughs> this is probably one of the, I, I really will rank this up as one of my favorite shows we've ever done, uh, because it wasn't just me and, Piff, me and Pip pontificating on things we might know. We actually brought in someone that's written a, a book about how to do this. So, Michael, uh, one last time, where can people find you online, and uh, what's the book that uh, you would recommend that they start with you? Sure. Uh, MichaelAventrella.com uh, is my webpage with links to all my books and everything. My most recent novel is Big Stick, Steampunk Adventure, that Pip says is very good. Pip says, a great fun ride. Um, and, of course, the Constitution book that we were talking about, How to Argue the Constitution with a Conservative with Lots of Art by Darren Bell. If you get the the uh, the uh, Kindle version, the cartoons are even in color, so that's oh, kind of nice. Oh, great. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, chat, if you want to find out more about what we do here at the Shared Desk, as always, you can join our writing streams, which we've been doing uh, starting, uh, actually started since November, and people have been really digging the writing streams. So, yeah, please, by all means, join us there. And uh, join us for uh, other streams that we do, like Philippa's Freaky Friday, or any of the streams that I do at this at this URL, twitch.tv forward slash Monster. You can find out more about what I do at tmorris.com and Pip. They can find you at pjballantine.com. And as always, you can subscribe to us on Amazon. Amazon should be should be happening soon. But Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, um, Apple Podcasts at thesharedesk.com. So on behalf of Michael, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Enjoy the ride. Catch you later. Nice see you again. Someday we'll see you in person again. Yes. Yes. <laughs>